You can't be neutral on the moving train. I told y'all before. You can't believe everything that your teacher tell you. Who is your teacher? Your teacher just learned what they was taught. How do you know what they was taught was correct? Welcome to You Can't Be Neutral, a political podcast inspired by Howard Zinn and progressive and radical activism, taking a look at society, media, and politics. You can check out youcan'tbeneutral.com to find all the back episodes. you find a link there to send me a message and also a link there to make a donation. You can make a one-time or recurring donation to keep this podcast free and independent. The other day I mentioned to a group of people that what Israel is doing in Gaza right now I consider to be genocide. And uh, one person that heard me say that agreed with me and a couple people disagreed. So I'm going to start this episode by just reading through what the definition of genocide is and that kind of explains why I and many, many people who study genocide and who are experts on it, of which I most certainly am not, um, do consider this to either be genocide or to be on the way to becoming genocide. Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide, Article 2. In the present convention, genocide means any of the following acts committed with intent to destroy in whole or in part a national, ethnical, racial, or religious group as such. A. Killing members of the group. B. Causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group. C. Deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part. D. Imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group. E. Forcibly transferring children of the group to another group. So there's five different actions, different activities that when committed uh, individually, one or more of these constitute genocide. Now, it's not not quite so simple because as the the preceding statement said, um, there must be intent. So the, the intent to destroy in whole or in part must be clearly determined and be made obvious. And in in my perspective and as i mentioned the perspective of many many experts in the field what israel is doing in gaza today in 2023 amounts to genocide the rest of this episode i'm going to focus on one piece one small part of what they're doing which by itself is genocide and that is the wholesale starvation of the population of the Gaza Strip. First up is a piece written by Maureen Claire Murphy, published at electronicintifada.net. The U.S.-Israel genocidal war in Gaza hit a grim milestone on Thursday, with the death toll in the territory estimated to now have reached 20,000 people since 7 October. And I don't know if it's going to mention this in a little bit, but that is the 20,000 that are identified, um, claimed by their families, and not does not include the bodies buried in unmarked graves or buried in mass graves uh, that were not identified, does not include the thousands of people that are under the rubble of bombed buildings or buried under bulldozed ground by the Israeli occupation forces. Uh, 
Gaza endured, quote, some of the most intense Israeli bombardment of the war on Thursday, according to Reuters, while Palestinian fighters in the territory continued to fire rockets as far north as Tel Aviv. Four Israeli soldiers were reported killed in Gaza between Wednesday and Thursday, bringing to at least 138, the total number killed since the beginning of the ground invasion, with another 771 reported injured. Meanwhile, UN-backed famine monitors said that it is predicted that, quote, between 8 December 2023 and 7 February 2024, Gaza's population will be the highest share of people facing high levels of acute food insecurity ever classified by the Integrated Food Security Phase Classification since its establishment nearly 20 years ago. Around one out of every 115 people among Gaza's population of 2.3 million, more than half of them children and the vast majority refugees, have been reported killed in the past several weeks. Morgue workers in Gaza have struggled to compile casualty figures, quote, amid the collapse of communication services and other infrastructure due to the Israeli offensive, according to Reuters. The actual number, number of fatalities is much higher. The Palestinian Health Ministry in Gaza's death toll only includes those who have been identified or claimed by relatives. Several thousand others are missing, many of them under the rubble of destroyed buildings. Recovering and identifying those people's remains will take years, according to Dr. Gilbert Burnham, a doctor and professor at Johns Hopkins University who has worked since the 1970s on humanitarian health problems in wars, Reuters reported. The official Gaza death toll also doesn't include people who have succumbed to disease born of Israelis' siege or because they were unable to access medical care for chronic illnesses or other conditions, with most hospitals in the territory rendered non-functional. And I've read stories in the last day of patients with diabetes who have died because of the inability to get medical treatment treatment that they were getting before Israel began bombing and attacking hospitals in Gaza and launched their ground invasion. Also, children with cancer who were getting cancer treatments prior to the ground invasion and the attacks on the, med the medical system in Gaza are also at grave risk of dying. While the U.S. continues to buy Israel time for its military offensive by delaying actions at the U.N. Security Council, U.N. officials and international agencies are warning that the cost to civilians grows worse with each day of the total war and complete siege on Gaza. International agencies are reporting, quote, catastrophic levels of acute food insecurity across the Gaza Strip, with around 85% of the population displaced, many people relocating multiple times and currently concentrated into an increasingly smaller geographic area. The UN-backed Integrated Food Security Phase Classification said that, quote, there is a risk of famine and it is increasing each day that the current situation of intense hostilities and restricted humanitarian access persists or worsens. Virtually all households are skipping meals every day, the IPC added, four out of five households in Gaza's north and among displaced families in the south go entire days and nights without eating. The IPC pointed to the extreme reduction in the delivery of humanitarian food assistance to Gaza, which most people in the territory relied on before 7 October, as a primary reason for widespread and severe food insecurity. Import restrictions and the suspension of commercial activities in Gaza are also major factors. While fighting has caused widespread damage to food production, including farmland and infrastructure such as greenhouses, bakeries, and warehouses. Arif Hussein, a senior official at the UN's World Food Program, told Reuters that in his 20 years of experience, quote, I've never seen something that bad happening this quickly. World Food Program said that the recent opening of the Karem Shalom commercial crossing for humanitarian aid is a long-awaited step to increase the flow of aid into Gaza. 
The reopening of Karem Shalom allowed the agency to bring in aid to Gaza via Jordan for the first time since 7 October. But the aid that is coming in is a fraction of the goods that entered Gaza on a daily basis before that date, and the needs have sharply increased. Humanitarian aid alone is not enough, the UN's largest provider of humanitarian assistance said. WFP appeals for commercial supply corridors to be restored. An explosion on the Palestinian side of Karem Shalom crossing was reported on Thursday, killing four people staffing the crossing and forcing the UN to halt pickups. Abby Maxim, the head of Oxfam America, said that the quote, high levels of starvation in Gaza are a direct, damning, and predictable consequence of not only Israel's actions, but also U.S. President Joe Biden's unconditional support and diplomatic approach. The U.S. cannot continue to stand by and allow Palestinians to be starved to death, Maxim added. Philippe Lazzarini, the head of the U.N. Agency for Palestine Refugees, UNRWA, said on Wednesday that Palestinians in Gaza will soon die because of a combination of weakened immunity, disease, outbreak, and hunger. Responding to Israel, President Isaac Herzog's claim that the U.N. was to blame for not getting more aid into Gaza, Lazzarini pointed to the ongoing bombardment and inefficient administrative procedures at crossings. Quote, When trucks come in, they are not allowed to go to the final destination, as they are required to offload at the Gaza boundary and their cargo loaded onto trucks that never leave the territory. If we could let trucks go to the final destination... You can let trucks come in the hundreds, and this would not be a problem, Lazzarini said. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, the head of the World Health Organization, said he was deeply concerned about the toxic mix of disease, hunger, and lack of hygiene and sanitation in Gaza, which is already experiencing soaring rates of infectious disease outbreaks. Gabriasa said the diarrhea cases have soared among children under the age of five, which can be lethal for malnourished children, more so in the absence of functioning health services. This carnage must stop, the UN Health Chief said. The UN Children's Agency UNICEF said that recently displaced children in Gaza are only accessing 1.5 to 2 liters of water each day, well below the recommended requirements just for survival. Concerns of waterborne diseases such as cholera and chronic diarrhea are particularly heightened given the lack of safe water, UNICEF added, especially following this week's rains and flooding. Next up is a piece uh, published at WFP.org. WFP stands for World Food Program, written by Marwa Awad. Gaza risks falling into famine unless access to adequate food, clean water, health, and sanitation services is urgently restored. The entire population, about 2.2 million people, is suffering crisis or worse levels of food insecurity. That is the alarming conclusion of a new integrated food security phase classification report released on Thursday, 22 December. This latest food security analysis for Gaza, which includes data from the World Food Program, other UN agencies, and non-governmental organizations, reveals that more than one in four households face extreme hunger. Ten weeks in, the conflict shows no signs of abating. Humanitarian access has significantly diminished, with a breakdown in the basic services needed to run operations and aid workers struggling to survive the conflict while carrying out their duties. The majority of our teams on the ground are national staff who are living this crisis while also making efforts to address it. Many of them have been displaced three or four times and living in shelters, but they have continued to deliver. World Food Program Deputy Executive Director Carl Scow told reporters at a UN briefing in New York last week. There is a serious bottleneck at the Rafa border crossing, and what comes through is very sporadic. Our teams are sitting on the other side of the border waiting to pick up what comes through, so this is not done in a sustainable way, said Scow. For the first time since a conflict erupted in October, two aid convoys crossed into Gaza from Jordan and through Israel's Karem Shalom after extensive coordination between WFP and authorities to increase the flow of aid. It is hoped this crucial first step 
bringing 750 metric tons, tons of life-saving food, could pave the way for a more sustainable aid corridor through Jordan. But intense combat and bombardment continue to pose major challenges for humanitarians on the ground, trying to reach people on the front lines of the ongoing crisis. Aid deliveries and distributions have become exceedingly challenging since the start of combat in October. Five power blackouts have hindered humanitarian operations and humanitarians' access to vital information they need to deliver aid. Although WFP and partners reached 799,000 people in Gaza with food in November, access was slow and irregular due to limited fuel, no electricity, and only one functioning border crossing into the embattled strip. A seven-day pause enabled aid to flow. WFP and partners doubled distribution points outside UN shelters to reach people in the badly hit districts of Khan Yunus, Deir el-Bala, Gaza City, and al-Nusayrat, among others. When fighting resumed on 1 December and the front lines shifted, those areas became inaccessible again. Quote, We have given up on asking for assistance and where to get it, said Hussein Kalut in Deir el-Bala, where areas designated for food distributions are no longer safe. Now we ask whether we will survive another day. Kalut, 45, is among hundreds of thousands in Gaza, who remain trapped in hard-to-reach areas and cut off from any humanitarian assistance. People in Gaza City do not even have the freedom to search for food. Anyone who moves would be risking their lives, said Hind Kodari, with WFP in the Rafah side of Gaza, where UN makeshift shelters have been set up. Neighbors have opened their doors to share whatever they have between them. Yet half of Gaza's population is starving, with 9 out of 10 Palestinians eating less than one meal a day and struggling to find clean, drinkable water. Hungry and weak, more Gazans are falling sick, their compromised immunity making them susceptible to disease. All but one of WFP's 25 contracted bakeries in Gaza have been destroyed in the bombardment. One of WFP's long-standing partners, Jamal Abu Aita, who owned a dairy factory that supported WFP's food assistance programs in Gaza prior to the conflict, died along with his family in the shelling. With all commercial activities grinding to a halt, shops have been mostly empty and prices of the little available food in the markets have soared. WFP, along with humanitarian organizations and the international community, calls for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza, and the opening of all border crossings to enable unhindered aid deliveries at scale and prevent starvation in the Strip. I was looking at Twitter earlier this morning, or, or X if you prefer, and saw someone had boosted a, a tweet from a young boy in Gaza, and it said, we used to have flour but we don't have flour anymore. Now we have to eat grain, the kind of food that's usually given to pigeons and chickens. The previous article referenced the Integrated Food Security Phase Classification, or IPC, report. Uh, this report's called Gaza Strip Famine Review of the IPC Analysis. Conclusions and Recommendations. This was published on December 21, 2023. I'm going to read Section 2 and 3 of the report. 2. FRC Assessment of the Situation Acute Food Insecurity Situation in the Northern Governorates, North Gaza, and Gaza Hazards and Vulnerabilities the northern governorates have experienced extremely intense conflict since the start of the escalation, and ground operations are still ongoing. Extensive bombardment has resulted in the damage or destruction of 56 to 68 percent of all buildings, including water, sanitation, and hygiene, known as WASH, and health services, alongside widespread damage to roads and other essential infrastructure. Estimates on the population remaining in the northern governorates vary from 
a few tens of thousands, up to 500,000 people. More than half are estimated to be IDPs, that's internally displaced persons, meaning people who have had to flee their homes, half of them taking shelter in UNRWA facilities. There are no clear estimates of how many people are currently displaced within the northern governorates and how many remained in their homes. However, the conditions of IDPs and remaining residents are likely to be similar. Reportedly, most of the people remaining in the northern governorates are those unable to travel, having a member of their family unable to travel, too scared or not willing to start the journey, considering the area is still under active fighting. Not more than a few thousand people left for the South during the humanitarian pause. Food Availability Overall food availability is very low and limited to existing food stocks in the northern governorates, mostly within households, informal markets, some functioning shops, and in damaged buildings. Some restocking was possible during the humanitarian pause, during which 33 food trucks entered the northern governorates. This resulted in the delivery of about 4,850 metric tons of mixed food commodities, or approximately 10 kilograms per person in total. Although few trucks entered from 7 October until the humanitarian pause, none have been able to enter since then. In the North Gaza Governorate, agriculture lands have experienced a significant increase in damage from 22% to over 35% within a short period. Commercial agricultural production has stopped due to lack of electricity and water for irrigation. Food processing facilities have been destroyed Urban agriculture is limited to semi-urban areas, heavily affected by ground operations. Many animals have been slaughtered or have died due to lack of fodder. Access. Currently, the main sources of food are social networks, around 40% through friends and family. Assistance, 32%, and markets, 20%. Prices of the few available food commodities in the market surged, including increases in prices of flour by 50%, vegetables by 200%, rice by 45%, and fuel by over 500% compared to September 2023. The data collected after the last reported humanitarian food security assistance delivery in the northern governorates detected some availability of food. As of 8 November 2023, no bakeries were operational in the northern governorates, and the supply of wheat flour has been stopped. A complete absence of wheat in the market has been reported. Access to clean water for cooking is highly limited, with surveyed households indicating access to 1.8 liters per person per day, well below the sphere standards. Three of four households are resorting to burning firewood and wood residue and with the remaining employing solid waste. The situation remains extremely volatile with bombardment and ground operations still ongoing and no humanitarian assistance of any sort entering the northern governorates. It is unlikely that the households would reach any stability in their access to food and basic services. According to the WFP Food Security Assessment, more than 80% of the surveyed households have a poor food consumption score, FSC. More than 95% employed a very high level of consumption-based strategies under the Reduced Coping Strategies Index, RCSI, and almost 50% experienced severe or very severe levels of hunger, measured through the Household Hunger Scale, HHS. Indicators point to a percentage of households in ca catastrophe, IPC Phase 5, that could range between 20% to 40%. A cross-tabulation of the food consumption indicators, which might help exclude false positive but not false negatives, still indicates more than 20% of households were likely in this phase. Acute Food Insecurity Situation in the Southern Governorates IDPs and Residents 
The southern governorates, Deir el-Bala, Khan Yunus, Rafa, have experienced intense conflict, although for a shorter duration than the northern governorates during the current period of the analysis, the last week of November and first week of December 2023. Around 12 to 18 percent of all buildings were reportedly damaged or destroyed as of December 4, including housing, civilian infrastructure, food-related infrastructure, and UN facilities. UXO contamination or exposure is a concern and will increase as military operations continue and expand to new areas. About one million people have arrived from the northern governorates, with the vast majority residing in UNRWAS shelters. These shelters now have an average of 12,000 people each, more than four times their capacity, leading to extreme overcrowding and highly inadequate conditions. Minimal agricultural production is expected due to widespread damage to agricultural assets in the southern governorates and the inability of people to reach agricultural assets as a result of active conflict and movement restrictions. Displaced populations were unable to bring livestock along displacement routes, while livestock also face shortages of fodder and water. Only 55% of shops were operational by 14 November 2023 with closures primarily due to shop damage, worsened safety conditions, and road obstructions. By this time, market stocks of wheat flour were estimated to last only a few days, and with four out of five WFP-contracted mills in the Gaza Strip becoming non-operational, this is leading to a significant proportion of wheat becoming unavailable for consumption. Eleven bakeries have been hit and destroyed since 7 October 2023. Only one of the WFP-contracted bakeries, along with eight others in the Southern Governorates and Deir al-Bala Governorate, Middle Area, can provide bread to shelters while working intermittently, depending on the availability of flour and fuel. The severity of food scarcity and market disruptions varies within the Southern Governorates, with areas like Deir al-Bala and Khan Yunus governorates, experiencing more significant challenges than the others. Access is limited due to food shortages, high food prices, and loss of livelihoods, compounded by shortages of cooking oils, fuel, and water. Access to agricultural production and livestock is unavailable for the IDP population as a result of their displacement and consequent asset abandonment. The growing IDP population is surpassing available market and shelter capacities as more IDPs are concentrated into smaller geographic areas, while IDP populations may be geographically closer to the Rafa crossing. Accessing humanitarian assistance remains a challenge, especially for those not in public shelters. The current main source of food is assistance for about half the population, followed by market 28% and help from friends and family, 20%. Fuel to cook food is very limited and households are resorting to burning firewood and wood residue and solid waste. The availability of clean, safe water is largely insufficient. Assessed households reported an average of two liters per person per day. The rapid change in conflict dynamics highlights the significant instability of food security in the Southern Governorates. Instability is compounded by the incidence of diseases and access to basic services, which weaken families' ability to cope and care for the most vulnerable members. More than 33% of the resident households and 40% of the internally displaced households have a poor food consumption score. More than 98% of all households employed consumption-based strategies, and almost 40% of IDPs experienced severe or very severe levels of hunger, while 19% of residents experienced severe or very severe levels of hunger. Indicators point to a percentage of households in catastrophe IPC Phase 5 that could range between 12% for internally displaced persons and 3% for residents, to 25% for internally displaced persons and 10% for residents. Cross-tabulation of the food consumption indicators, which might help exclude false positives but not false negatives, also confirms presence of population in catastrophe IPC Phase 5, but to a lower degree. 
Before the start of the current war, the acute malnutrition prevalence was very low within the Gaza Strip. A survey published in 2021 showed a global acute malnutrition GAM, prevalence of 0.8% in children under 5. As far as the FRC is aware, there has been no collection of anthropometric data within the Gaza Strip since 7 October 2023. There is therefore no direct data available on the nutritional situation of the population at the time of compiling this report. Consideration of the likely prevalence of GAM in the current and projected periods was therefore done using a combination of indirect evidence and expert judgment. Malnutrition can arise due to inadequate dietary intake, either alone or in combination with infections or chronic disease. The ability of the public health system to control the risk of disease and malnutrition and provide effective treatment is therefore an important factor to consider in assessing the likely prevalence of acute malnutrition, both during the current period and in the projection period used for the risk of famine analysis. The evidence on the food security situation is described above. Below we summarize the available evidence on the health and WASH, two other key drivers of the risk of malnutrition. The health system within the Gaza Strip has been subject to sustained attack during the conflict. From 7 October 2023 to 28 November 2023, the World Health Organization recorded 203 attacks on hospitals, ambulances, medical supplies, and the detention of healthcare workers. Medicine Sans Frontier has reported a number of attacks on its health facilities and workers, including a fatal attack on its convoy on 18 November, the killing of two of its doctors on 21 November by an airstrike on Al-Auda Hospital, and wounding of a surgeon by gunfire on 12 December 2023. On 7 December 2023, the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights issued a press release stating that at least 364 attacks on health care services have been recorded since 7 October 2023, resulting in at least 553 deaths and affecting 50 health facilities and 190 ambulances. It was reported that health care workers had also been arrested and detained. UNWA has reported that only 8 out of its 22 health centers are still operational. No UNWA health centers remain operational in the Northern Governorates. On 17 December 2023, the Director General of the WHO reported that Kamal Adwan Hospital, one of the last remaining health facilities in the Northern Governorates, had been attacked over the course of several days, rendering it non-functional and resulting in the death of at least 8 patients. The capacity of the health system to address the current health and nutrition needs of the population and its ability to respond to any emerging health and nutrition threats has been severely degraded. Given the extreme levels of population displacement, very poor wash situation, poor shelter overcrowding, and lack of materials for winterization, there are grave concerns about the possible outbreak of infectious diseases, including respiratory infections and dysentery. This concern exists despite the good levels of immunization against vaccine-preventable diseases that was present in the pre-war population. The available data on reported case counts suggest that cases of infectious diseases such as diarrhea and jaundice are increasing. The overall health situation is very alarming and the available data suggests it is rapidly deteriorating. Even if the intensity of conflict were to subside in the short term, there may still be a substantial increase in deaths and indirectly attributable to the conflict. Water Sanitation and Hygiene Wash There is strong evidence that the water supply situation is in a critical situation across the entire Gaza Strip. Humanitarian agencies are being forced by lack of adequate supplies to cut water allocations to well below the minimum sphere standard of 15 liters per person per day. Solid waste collection and sanitation are also in crisis with reports of open defecation while washing facilities are highly limited. Approximately 85% of the total population of the Gaza Strip are currently displaced. 
It was reported that of those that have access to unwashed shelters, 700 people were sharing the same toilet and 4,500 individuals were sharing a single shower. The situation is further deteriorating with continued displacement and increased concentration of the population in smaller areas. The minimum safe water requirement, including drinking, cooking, and basic hygiene, is 33,400 cubic meters per day, or 15 liters per person per day, in the Gaza Strip. As of 10 December 2023, the overall daily average water availability, including unsafe water, was estimated to be just over 75,000 cubic meters. Access to safe or any drinking water varies widely across governorates, with access lowest in the northern governorates of North Gaza and Gaza. Fuel remains the main reason for the inadequate supply of safe water for drinking, cooking, and hygiene, with only 35% of the fuel needed daily being available to operate key wash infrastructure. As of 10 December 2023, Cross-border pipelines were operating at less than 28% capacity, with a cross-border pipeline to the northern governorates remaining completely shut off. The three major desalinization plants were at 4% capacity, while the plants serving the northern governorates continued to remain shut down. Municipal supplies were operating at about 13% capacity, while UNWA and private supplies were at about 22% capacity. Bottled water distribution accounted for a negligible portion of available water and was primarily conducted in Rafa Governorate. Wash conditions remain extremely poor in the northern governorates. Without water from the desalinization plant or cross-border pipeline, water production is limited to private sources and largely dependent on manual labor for transport. By 8 December 2023, the Gaza municipality was reporting outflow of sewage into city streets while all pumping stations ran out of fuel and only three municipal wells remained operational. No solid waste collection was occurring. In the southern governorates, water is relatively more available than in the northern governorates, but extreme overcrowding, especially in Rafa governorate, is contributing to deteriorating wash conditions. In unwashed shelters, latrine-to-user ratio is 150 to 1, with many latrines becoming unusable due to lack of sufficient water. There is no solid waste collection ongoing, and safe drinking water is reportedly available in limited locations, with water trucks only reaching some locations every three weeks. The available data on mortality indicates that both the under-5 child death rate, U5DR, and the crude death rate, CDR, for all combined causes are at emergency IPC phase 4 levels. The level of excess mortality is highly elevated above pre-escalation levels. However, the available data on mortality does not provide sufficient disaggregation by cause of death to allow the contribution of non-trauma mortality to be determined during the current analysis period. It should be noted that it is this category of deaths rather than the total mortality that is considered in an IPC classification. In addition, at the time the analysis was conducted, the all-cause death toll reported by the Gaza Ministry of Health had not surpassed the extremely high death rate associated with the famine classification. As of 18 December 2023, the last update on casualty figures by the MOH in Gaza had been published on 14 December which reported 18,787 fatalities and 50,589 injuries, with many people missing, presumably buried under the rubble, waiting for rescue or recovery. For the reasons described above, the FRC expects that excess mortality will continue to increase, and these increases may be very rapid, potentially at exponential rates. This applies to mortality caused by both the direct and indirect effects of the conflict, including non-trauma-related deaths. Conclusions for the projection period 8 December 2023 to 7 February 2024 in the most likely scenario. 
In the most likely scenario, in the northern governorates, populations will continue to face extreme food consumption gaps and extremely inadequate access to safe or even unsafe water, as well as sanitation, health, and nutrition services. By the end of this projection period, the remaining population will have been experiencing extreme food consumption gaps for three to four months. Agricultural production will collapse as fields and other assets are destroyed and damaged or otherwise made inaccessible. Livestock have likely been slaughtered or died due to lack of water and fodder by this period. Fishing is likely to remain impossible because of the destruction and damage to infrastructure and assets and complete restrictions on access to the sea. With no commercial imports likely to reach these areas, the formal market system will finally collapse. Minimal humanitarian food assistance is likely to enter these areas and continued conflict, including bombardment and ground operations, will limit civilian access to any humanitarian food assistance that may enter the northern governorates. Access to this assistance will become the only access to food in this period, as alternate food sources like wild foods will likely be extremely limited. Under these conditions, the social support that many households relied on for even limited access to food will likely collapse, with vulnerable populations like women, children, and the elderly experience even greater challenges in accessing any remaining food or newly arrived food in these areas by the end of this period. Remaining health services are likely to collapse with the continuation of conflict as well as the lack of replenishment of critical medical supplies cross-border water pipeline and the main desalinization plant that previously supplied these populations are unlikely to become operational and an extreme lack of fuel will lead to the shutdown of most remaining municipal and other water sources. Access to water will depend on limited private sources, agricultural wells, and surface water. Wastewater treatment and solid waste disposal will remain unlikely to resume. Through the winter period, temperatures will likely drop and peak rains are likely to occur between January and February, further stressing extremely vulnerable populations lacking access to food, fuel, electricity, shelter, and basic services. Prolonged and catastrophic acute food insecurity and multi-system collapse, including the food, wash, health, and social systems, will severely raise the risk of significant loss of life, including due to infectious disease outbreaks. Southern Governorates In the most likely scenario, IDPs and residents in the Southern Governorates will face comparable conditions within the same governorate. Nearly the entire population will be displaced, with many households already having been displaced one or more times, and having abandoned household assets, including livestock. While populations in the southern governorates may be closer to the op only open border crossings, expanding high-intensity ground operations, continued bombardment, and other restrictions on humanitarian access will likely limit the delivery of humanitarian assistance to Khan Yunus governorate and severely limit delivery to the governorate of Deir al-Bala, Distance from a border crossing open to trucks carrying humanitarian food assistance will become a primary determinant of the availability of food and civilians' access to it. It is likely that the further north from Rafa Governorate a civilian is, the worse their food insecurity will be in this period. Food consumption gaps are expected to worsen with an extreme concentration of displaced civilians within an increasingly smaller area in western Rafa and Khan Yunus governorates and increasingly isolated populations in other parts of Khan Yunus and the governorate of Deir al-Bala. On 3 to 12 December 2023, IDPs in the southern governorates saw an increase in reporting of very severe hunger from 24% to 44%, extreme consumption coping from about 82% to 86%, and inadequate food consumption from 83% to 93%, as well as deterioration in access to cooking fuel and water. Under these conditions, the social support that many households relied on for access to food will likely collapse, 
with vulnerable populations like women, children, and the elderly experiencing even greater challenges in accessing food by the end of this period. The extreme concentration of IDPs will likely continue to overwhelm limited basic services. Remaining health services are likely to collapse with a continuation of conflict and as large numbers of IDPs are likely forced to take shelter within health facilities. Access to safe water will likely remain highly limited as fuel availability remains insufficient and electricity remains unavailable. Wastewater treatment and solid waste disposal will likely remain extremely limited. Similar to the Northern Governorates, temperatures will likely drop and peak rains are likely to occur on January to February 2024, further stressing extremely vulnerable populations lacking access to food, fuel, electricity, shelter, and basic services. Risk of Famine Analysis The FRC considers that the risk of famine will increase for each day that the current situation of intense conflict and restricted humanitarian access persists or worsens. The FRC reached technical consensus that there is a risk of famine in the projection period through May 2024 if the current situation persists or worsens. We note that the famine threshold for catastrophe IPC Phase 5, acute food insecurity, has already been exceeded. Furthermore, the situation is deteriorating rapidly. The risk of famine analysis indicates that the famine thresholds for both acute malnutrition and non-trauma mortality may also be breached at some point within this time frame. There was a lack of technical consensus on whether famine thresholds could be breached before 7 February 2024. Given the findings of the analysis, continuous monitoring of the conflict, humanitarian access, food security, health, wash, nutrition, and non-trauma mortality outcomes is necessary to monitor the ongoing risk of famine. The FRC warns that the consequences of the ongoing catastrophic levels of acute food insecurity at the same time as the collapse of the food system, health system, wash system, and broader social systems should be viewed by decision makers as unacceptable regardless of the determination of how fast the situation could deteriorate. We note that populations are being isolated in areas where essential services are not being provided and humanitarian organizations cannot obtain access. Combined with overcrowding of IDP shelters and other locations and an extremely limited supply of water, this situation is resulting in high risk of infectious disease outbreaks in a context in which the capacity of the health system to respond has been severely degraded. This further heightens the risk of an additional increase in excess mortality. The only way to eliminate any risk of famine is to stop the deterioration of health nutrition, food security, and mortality through the restoration of health and wash services and the provision of safe, nutritious, sufficient food to the whole population. The situation in Gaza is clearly catastrophic for all sectors and requires an extremely urgent political response together with a full multi-sectorial and strategically balanced humanitarian response. The cessation of hostilities and the restoration of humanitarian space to deliver this multi-sectoral assistance and restore services are essential first steps in eliminating any risk of famine. The FRC notes the challenging environment in which this data was collected, but overall concludes that it was usable to inform the analysis. The FRC recognized limitations related to sample size, the distressing environment in which the food security interviews were conducted, and the dynamic nature of indicators with different recall periods. Despite the extremely complex environment in which the information was collected, the data meets the minimum requirements set by IPC standards, including with regards to the methodology, minimum required observations, timeliness, in addition to the response rate, which is aligned with standards in the region while substantial information on contributing factors to food and nutri nutrition security was available from diverse sources. No recent data was available on the prevalence of acute malnutrition and non-trauma mortality 
in the Gaza Strip. Recommendations from the Famine Review Committee The situation in Gaza is clearly catastrophic for all sectors and requires an extremely urgent political response together with a full multi-sectoral and strategically balanced humanitarian response. The only way to eliminate any risk of famine is to stop the deterioration of health, nutrition, food security, and mortality through the restoration of health, nutrition, and wash services, and the provision of safe, nutritious, and sufficient food to all population in need. The cessation of hostilities and the sustained restoration of humanitarian access to the entire Gaza Strip are essential first steps in achieving these goals. Sufficient and sustained supply of aid commodities, including but not limited to food, fuel, and other necessities, should be allowed to enter and move through the entire Gaza Strip. Traffic of commercial goods should be resumed to meet the volumes of commodities required. The persistent attacks on hospitals, health posts, water services, and IDP sites must cease. Civilians and civilian infrastructure must be protected as required under international humanitarian law. The humanitarian response should be prepared to rapidly scale up humanitarian assistance if humanitarian access improves, including the provision of food, fuel, water, medical and nutritional supplies and services, water, sanitation and hygiene supplies and services, and other basic needs and services. When people do have access to food, consumption is heavily flour and oil, which are not sufficient to cover all the nutrition needs of the population most at risk. A scale-up in the delivery of humanitarian food assistance should ensure the consideration of the nutritional quality of the foods provided is also prioritized and that the most nutritionally vulnerable are considered first. Non-breastfed infants need access to formula alongside sufficient access to safe drinking water if preparation is required, and young children need safe, appropriate, and sufficiently complementary foods and micronutrient supplements. Micronutrient supplementation must be also provided to pregnant women and the elderly. While cases of acute malnutrition are currently relatively low, these cases are expected to increase. And a further note related to that, there are uh, women who have recently given birth, but who are malnourished to the point where they're not producing breast milk and cannot breastfeed their new babies. The current capacity to deliver acute malnutrition treatment services is very low. It is urgent to start putting in place this capacity to manage current caseloads and in anticipation of future increase. In addition to preparing to scale up humanitarian assistance via direct food transfers, efforts should be made to restore the function of the market infrastructures and bakeries to maximize private sector flows of goods and foodstuffs and to complement cash and voucher programs to stimulate the market responses. Restoration and strengthening of the health, water, and sanitation systems is urgent to prevent the expected increase in epidemic disease as well as dealing with the very large numbers of people that require treatment and rehabilitation for conflict injuries and those suffering from non-communicable diseases. The international community should be preparing to help rehabilitate food production systems as soon as is viable, including agriculture, livestock, and fishing. In view of the volatility of the situation and the fast pace of deterioration, frequent assessment of the evolution of the risk factors should be conducted by updating the IPC analysis, possibly before the end of the projection period. The FRC remains available to support any effort to update the analysis, including providing technical guidance regarding real-time monitoring and analysis systems, as well as other data collections such as nutrition and mortality surveys and surveillance systems. And that wraps up the bulk of the information in the IPC, Integrated Food Security Phase Classification Report, on the current situation and future situation in the Gaza Strip, um, if the current conditions continue, with the exception of a good chunk of information and data on how they collected their information, what their processes were, and what the sources of 
their data were. Next up is a piece written by Jake Johnson, published at commondreams.org. Oxfam America said Thursday that U.S. President Joe Biden's unwavering military and diplomatic support for the Israeli government has helped fuel a staggering rise in hunger in the Gaza Strip, where more than 90% of the population is facing acute food insecurity and the risk of famine is growing by the day. This is the highest share of people facing high levels of acute food insecurity that the IPC initiative has ever classified for any given area or country, the IPC said. More than half a million Gazans, according to the IPC, are facing catastrophic conditions characterized by households experiencing an extreme lack of food, starvation, and exhaustion of coping capacities. Abby Maxman, president and CEO of Oxfam America, said in a statement that the figures are a direct, damning, and predictable consequence of Israel's policy choices and President Biden's unconditional support and diplomatic approach. Quote, the U.S. government has repeatedly given Israel diplomatic cover, but now must urgently change course and put politics aside to prioritize the lives of civilians, said Maxman. Maxman said Thursday that the Biden administration must use all of its influence to achieve an immediate ceasefire to stop the bloodshed, allow for the safe return of hostages to Israel, and allow aid and commercial goods in so we can save lives now. The U.S. cannot continue to stand by and allow Palestinians to be starved to death, she added. The IPC's new analysis is in line with harrowing testimony from ordinary Gazans who are struggling to survive Israel's siege and indiscriminate airstrikes and ground assault. One mother, whose family, like so many others, has been left homeless by Israel's attack on the Strip, told Reuters that, quote, her children had lost weight and were getting dizzy spells because they were not eating enough. A doctor in the southern Gaza city of Rafah told the news agency that weight loss and anemia were common and people were so weak and dehydrated that they were more susceptible to chest infections and skin conditions, with children most at risk. Earlier this week, Human Rights Watch accused Israel of using starvation as a method of warfare in Gaza, destroying the territory's agricultural sector and bakeries, while restricting the amount of aid allowed to enter the Strip, collective punishment that the group said constitutes a war crime. Arif Hussein, chief economist for the World Food Program, told the Associated Press on Thursday that it doesn't get any worse than present conditions in the Gaza Strip. I have never seen something at the scale that it is happening in Gaza and at this speed, Hussein added. The WFP said Wednesday that 90% of Gazans are eating less than one meal per day. Compounding the disaster is the lack of uncontaminated water, fuel, and medical supplies causing infectious diseases to spread. In a statement on Thursday, the World Health Organization warned that the lethal combination of hunger and disease is resulting in more death and suffering in Gaza, one of the most densely populated areas in the world. While a healthy body can more easily fight off these diseases, a wasted and weakened body will struggle, the WHO said. Hunger weakens the body's defenses and opens the door to disease. Malnutrition increases the risk of children dying from illnesses like diarrhea, pneumonia, and measles, especially in a setting where they lack access to life-saving health services. Noel Yamange, head of emergencies at Action Against Hunger, said in a response to the IPC data that everything we are doing is insufficient to meet the needs of 2 million people. We are experiencing a level of complexity in this emergency like I have never seen before, said Monch. There are no supplies in the local market, and we can no longer reach areas in the north due to fighting and lack of transportation. It is a desperate situation. And it's not a desperate situation by accident. That's, that's the extreme tragedy here is... These kinds of desperate situations sometimes occur in natural disasters, in massive floods that decimate regions, in earthquakes that, that decimate cities or towns. Um, you get these extreme conditions. These extreme conditions in Gaza are man-made. They are intentional. They are 
the result of specific choices made by Israel and the Israeli army and military on how are they how they are conducting this genocide in Gaza and their ultimate intent they have kept the Palestinian people of Gaza restricted to this small area what what many consider the uh, largest even though it's small largest open-air prison in the world Gaza the entirety of Gaza the Gaza Strip is about the size of the entirety of the Philadelphia area and there are 2.3 million people residing in it the the majority of whom are refugees or the descendants of refugees that fled Israel during the early Nakba and I say the early Nakba because the Nakba never ended uh, there was intense fighting and slaughter in the early Nakba which it's estimated that 15,000 Palestinians were killed 750,000 were displaced and that happened over the course of one to two years and today we are seeing in Gaza over 20,000 killed already and most likely over 25,000 killed already and about 1.9 million displaced this is the ongoing continuing Nakba this last phase in the last two months of the Nakba has been more intense in certain ways than the early Nakba the Nakba that in which Israel took over the territory that it now claims as its state so if we return for a minute to where we started in this episode and look again at the definition of genocide there were those five actions that comprised uh, genocide and once again those were killing members of a specific group causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part and I think what we have covered today is just a small piece, but entirely tied to, not entirely, but largely tied to that element of genocide, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part, denying people food and destroying the medical systems and denying people water are absolutely actions that will ha both cause serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group and deliberately inflict on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction again the other conditions or the other elements of genocide can include imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group and forcibly transferring children of the group to another group but as I also mentioned at the beginning you not only need to have the action that aligns with this definition of genocide but you also need the intent without the intent then officially it is not genocide then it, it simply becomes violations of human rights or other certainly other international law of depriving people from the ability to to live um so is there intent how how clear is the intent in this case and and the intent is quite clear these these were not targeted actions that would only impact Hamas these are actions that intentionally inflict these harms on the entire group and back on I believe it was 
October 9th. Israeli Defense Minister Yov Gallant said, quote, We are putting a complete siege on Gaza. No electricity, no food, no water, no gas. It's all closed. And that statement, linked with other statements from Israel government officials, clearly show that it is the intent to cause harm to all of the people of Gaza. And in my understanding and in my estimation and in, in the judgment of many, many experts on the subject, that most certainly constitutes genocide. And that'll wrap up this episode of You Can't Be Neutral. Uh, you, for episodes and news about all of my podcasts, you can follow me in the Fediverse at Moving Train Media at Collectiva.social. You can find all the back episodes of You Can't Be Neutral at YouCan'tBeNeutral.com. And you can listen to this and all my podcasts playing 24-7 at MovingTrainRadio.com.